Welcome to this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's episode number 1,344. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy, three very sane spectators. Yeah, I got three sane spectators right here in the studio. That is two fur kids, one you might hear in the background munching away. Uh, he, he has no etiquette yet. It's the uh, the adoptee, the, the new fur kid. He has no studio etiquette, right, Kimmy? That's right. So you might hear things clang, bang, uh, bump, and he might use his tail as a drum. Who knows what will happen? And if slurping happens in just a little bit, it is not Kimmy drinking. It is probably the new fur kid drinking out of a bucket of water that he has in the studio, correct? Mm-hmm. And right next to me is Kimmy. You don't know how hard it is being a woman looking the way I do. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. That's right. She is drawn that way. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And how is Monday morning treating you so far? So far, so good. That is very good to hear. Now, the Riley and Kimmy show is sad to report and to acknowledge. I, I, it's just—it's one of those things you I don't even really want to talk about, but we will for a moment or two, and that is Jerry Lewis's passing. Um, I, I believe everybody who's probably listening to this show uh, has a story about Jerry Lewis part of their lives. Maybe it was staying up very late on Labor Day weekend to try to stay up with Jerry for the telethon. I'm sure individuals have done that that are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show. Perhaps even Kimmy did that. Kimmy, did you attempt to stay up for the MDA telethons with Jerry Lewis? Oh, um, I tried. From the start to the end. Mm -hmm. Did you try? Sure. And you never made it? Mm -mm. Ooh. Not at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah, and I was a freak though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever do the Jerry Lewis telethon in your backyard? The carnival thing they oh. did for muscular dystrophy. Did um, you ever do that? No, but I I remember that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. I sent away for that and did that. Uh, actually, I had to go into the big city of a town of about mm, nine hundred people or so. It wasn't the first city near where I lived. The first city was one hundred and fifty people, but then I went to the big city. And one of my friends allowed his backyard, his parents did, so we could have that, that carnival thing. Aww, yeah, yeah, that's we cool. did that. Now, out of curiosity, Kimmy, out of all the films that he did, also with his partner, uh, Dean Martin, he did quite a few with him as well. What is your favorite Jerry Lewis movie of all time? Oh, wow. Um, there are so many. I, don't, I can't choose just one. I, yeah. I, I kind of understand that. I think probably my favorite, and I know it was his favorite, too, that is The Nutty Professor. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, from 1963. And another, which is totally different, is The King of Comedy, where he kind of plays a oh, Johnny yeah. Carson kind of guy. And you remember uh, who is the psycho in that movie, do you not? Uh, Robert De Niro? Yeah, that's right. That's from 1982, The King of Comedy. Two different types of uh, characters entirely. Completely, yeah. And then one to really check out that 
that I like as a kid that this always stands out. It's where he he they they arrest him by accident. He plays a a young guy that they arrest by accident. They think he's a gang member, but he's not. And he ends up being a cop. And he goes through the training to be a cop. And Darren McGavin plays his mentor in it. Mm. And it is the first movie that he did without Dean Martin. And it's called The Delicate Delinquent from 1957. Hmm. And if you have a sharp eye, one of the gang members, the true gang members that he just accidentally was accused of being part of, is Frank Gorshin. And it's one of his first movie roles Hmm. Nine years before he plays the Riddler. Wow. So that's something to check out. That is the delicate delinquent. And there's so many. Uh, there's just tons uh, to check out. And by the way, the Riley and Kimmy show on this episode, stick with us. We will be, well, we will have a tribute to Jerry Lewis. I guarantee that that's coming up. And by the way, check out the Riley and Kimmy show's event page. If you have an upcoming, uh, well, event, it does not have to be pop culture based. It could be anything. Even animal-based. We have a show designed specifically for animals, pets. That is called Animal Special. And we're available for your other events as well, too. And if you'd like to have us be part of that or promote it, market it, just go right to our event page to find out more. And what is our website where our event page is on, Kimmy? Rileyandkimmy.com. Rileyandkimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? It is a Monday, and I hope her brain is functioning quite well. She might be dreading the upcoming uh, solar eclipse. Maybe that is affecting her as well. I have no idea. Do you want to play nerd and pop culture trivia, Kimmy? Yeah. You're, you're good to go. Uh-huh. We have an adjusted timeline. That's right, an adjusted timeline, meaning it's not necessarily in chronological order, or it could be. It could be in linear order, or it may not be. Help Kimmy with the answers. Shout out your answers to your laptop, desktop, tablet, mobile phone, smartphone, uh, let's see, uh, possibly smart watches, or maybe those glasses, or whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on right now, because... You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. We are mobile. And we are global. And you are in the future, and you can communicate with Kimmy, who is in your past, by opening up a temporal temporal corridor, a little portal that'll open up unless... Unless you aren't there because of some solar eclipse thing that happened, and we got warped into a different timeline and a different universe. Who knows what's going to happen? I am scared now. No, I'm actually not. I'm just kidding there. So... For those who are in the future, you can communicate with Kimmy, who is in your past. Just think hard. Yell, but don't yell too too loudly. Don't want to get yourself in trouble. And here we go with Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia. It is a Monday, August 21st. Kimmy, we have a question here that you cannot miss. If you do, you will be unforgiven. You can't miss this first one. Okay. The year is 1858. The first Lincoln-Douglas debates occur the question for you is what state does this happen in illinois that is correct and if you grew up in illinois you know various cities that they are proud of that and you know they they have little things that go on about it and Mm -hmm. markers and things like that it was on this date kimmy in 1911 
the Mona Lisa was stolen from the Louvre, it would be recovered in 1913. The question I have for you is, who painted the Mona Lisa? Who is the artist who painted the Mona Lisa? Leonardo da Vinci. Yes, Kimmy, that is correct. It's uh, it's Leonardo. And by the way, that painting has been described as the best known and most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, the most parodied work of art in the world. A big hit song was done back in the 1950s. Kimmy, tell me who had the Mona Lisa song as a hit. Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, men have named you. You're so like the lady with the mystic smile is it only cause you're lonely they have blamed you for that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile who had Mona Lisa as a hit in the 1950s Kimmy that sounds like Nat King Cole that is correct that song was so popular, it spent eight weeks at the number one spot on the Billboard Singles Charts in 1950. And by the way, if you have a good ear, it makes its way into Alfred Hitchcock's movie Rear Window because partygoers in the background are singing the song Mona Lisa. Oh. It just gives you an idea just how important that was. Moving to something else happening on this date in history, 1912, Arthur R. Eldred became the first American boy to become an Eagle Scout. Now, Kimmy, that is the highest rank in what organization? The Boy Scouts. That's correct, the Boy Scouts of America, and then they actually have, you know, Eagle Bronze and Eagle Silver and Eagle Gold. The year is 1923 in Bizarre Laws. 1923, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, an ordinance was passed forbidding dancers from gazing into the eyes of their partner. Oh. See, you must have been honoring that law when I met you for the very first time and we danced. (laughs) I think she was. And even though it wasn't Michigan, can you believe that? It was on this date, Kimmy. Give me the decade that this place became the 50th state of the United States of America. Can you tell me, was it the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, or 1960s, and what was the place? Hawaii, uh, 1950s. You want to stick with the 50s? That it became the 50th state? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, Kimmy, you are correct. It was barely, though. It was 1959 that it became the 50th state. President Eisenhower issued the order for the 50-star flag because of that. Moving to something else happening on this date in history, the year is 1961. Motown releases what would be the first number one hit for Motown. Kimmy, tell me the name of the song. Here is your audio clue. Can you tell me the name of that hit? Mr. Postman.
Bonus points for you, Kimmy, if you can tell me who had that as a hit in 1961. Number one hit. Oh, I can't. It's the Marvelettes who had Please, Mr. Postman. The year is 1965. While this is impossible music trivia, even though this song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, that was in 1965, September of 65. It was released on this date in 65. See if you can tell me who the recording artist is. It's Impossible Music Trivia. You're old enough to kill, but not for voting. You don't believe in war, but what's that gun you're toting? And even the Jordan River has bodies floating. But you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. I you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. I have a feeling you probably never heard that song, even though it was a number one hit on the on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Oldie stations in the 70s and 80s, typically and 90s, typically did not play that in their rotations. Any idea who had Eve of Destruction as a hit? No. It's Barry McGuire. And the interesting part, did that sound a little rough to you, that, uh, that yeah. song there? That is the raw version the, the of the master in the recording. It was not polished. What happened is they just laid down a track to see how it would sound. And somebody, somebody took the track and leaked it to a radio station. Hmm. They were going to retool, remix, and actually re-record the vocals. And it became a hit. Calls started coming into the radio station, and it spread, and they said, well, let's just leave it the way it is. So the polished version was never done. The year is 1965. Kimmy, identify this hit song. Here is your clue. It was released on this date. Don't bother to choose if it's just and music or rhythm and blues. Just go and listen. It'll start with a smile. It won't wipe off your face no matter how hard you try. Let's see how well Kimmy knows her oldies. Tell me the name of that song, Kimmy. Do you believe in magic? Here's 1965. Do You Believe in Magic was released. Who? Who recorded that, Kimmy? Eleven Spoonful. That's right. Did that song reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100? Uh, yeah. No, it did not. It peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. Interesting when you think about it, the Eve of Destruction did hit number one. It did not. Hmm. Moving to 1976, it was announced by RCA Victor Records that the sale of Elvis Presley Records passed the 400 million mark. Mm. Keep in mind, that is one year before he passes away, approximately. Hmm. The year is 1979. We have a song that was released on this date, Kimmy. I have two clues, because I'm not sure if you can actually tell us the name of the recording artist, so we're going to give you a chance here. First, tell us the name of the song. We have two clues for you. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Here is clue number one.
just see how good she is. The year's 1979. This song actually leads us into the 1980s, getting into the techno world, if you will. Tell me the name of the song, Kimmy. Cars. Here in my car, I feel safest of all. I can lock on my cars. It's the only way to live in cars. Here in my car, I can only receive. I can listen to you. It keeps me stable for dice in cars. And Gimme Who had this as a hit. Gary Newman. Wow. You truly are an audiophile. I'm surprised you actually were able to tell me the recording artist. I, I thought maybe there was a chance that you knew the, the single. I Possibly you even have it, don't you, on vinyl? Do you? Uh, No, I don't think I do. Okay, it's one of my favorite songs from the late 70s. I actually consider it an uh, 80s hit because it would hit number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 it debuted on American Top 40 on March 29th of 1980 and spent a total of 17 weeks on AT40, peaking at number nine. Think about how long it took it to uh, hit that that area, Kimmy. It was mm-hmm. released on mm-hmm. this date, August of 79, and it took till March 29th of 1980. Wow. And that's a period of time. Yeah, that's an, I, I think of it as an 80s song, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so do I. See if you identify this recording artist, Kimmy. The year is 1990. He releases the soundtrack to Graffiti Bridge. Who is it? Prince. That's right. The year is 1994. John Demmer was charged with drunken driving after crashing his Porsche into a tree. The year is 1998. Wesley Snipes receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person born on this date in 1904 passes away in 1984 at the age of 79. Jazz pianist, also a big band leader. He could really tickle the 88s. This song that he is identified with was just an, an something improvised between breaks. And he just thought it was really cool how it sounded, how he and his uh, band members put something together, and it would become a hit for him. Not quite a signature song, but he would be identified with. Can you tell me who he is, Kimmy? Can you do it? That is Count Basie, born on this date in 1904, died 1984 at the age of 79. Moving to somebody else here. Tell me what he is known for. Why is he famous? He was born on this date, 1936, Wilt Chamberlain. Basketball. That's right. He passed away in 1999. At the age of 63, he played for the Harlem Globetrotters before playing in the NBA. Next person having a birthday, identify who it is. We have a number one hit of his from 1980. It was huge. It crossed multiple genres, multiple formats. It was an a top 40 hit. It was an AC, that's adult contemporary hit, and it was a country hit. Tell me who the birthday person is and how old he is within five years. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor and I love you. You have made me what I am and I am yours. My love There's so many ways I want to say 
I love you. Lady, 1980, number one hit for whom? Kenny Rogers. And how old is Kenny Rogers today within five years? Um, 84? He is 79 today, and a long time ago, one of the one of the coolest things working at a country station, I had the pleasure of doing some stage work and introducing and meeting him actually backstage too, uh, Kenny Rogers. And mm-hmm. he was very nice. I was able to take listeners backstage two times because it was two performances to meet Kenny Rogers. And one of the nicest human beings I ever had the pleasure uh, of meeting. I think that's, and not bashing other music formats and stuff, but uh, the country artists generally, it seemed, were usually uh, far nicer uh, and wanting to meet people, or at least they were able to act like they wanted to meet people better than some of the others mm. uh, in other music formats. Not all, I'm saying that, but it just seemed as a general, you know, blanket thing. Yeah, the country one's going to, it's going to go well. And others, you might go, ah, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. As Kimmy can state without naming the band, meeting a top 40 and rock band one time she really wanted to meet. That didn't go so well, did it? Mm. Next person having a birthday, an actress, Kimmy. Her name's Patty McCormick. She's 72 today, but she is best known for a performance she did as a child, and you have seen the movie. Tell me the name of the classic movie she was part of. She played a psychopath, a very young sociopath. He wouldn't give me the medal like I told him to, that's all. So then he ran away from me and hid on the wharf. But I found him there, and I told him I did it with my shoe if he didn't give me the medal. But he shook his head and said no. So I hit him the first time, then he took off the medal and gave it to me. Tried to run away from me, so I hit him with my shoe again. But he kept on crying and making a noise. And I was afraid somebody would hear him, so I kept on hitting him, mother! I hit him harder that time. And he fell in the water. He tried to pull himself back in the wharf after he fell in the water. I wouldn't have hit him anymore. Only he kept saying he was going to tell on me. Oh, Mommy, Mommy, please say you won't let them hurt me. Can you identify that movie, Kimmy? Oh, is it called Demon Seed or something Ooh, like that? We will give it to you. It's called The Bad Seed. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, that was one of the uh, classics, one of the first classics you sat down and watched with me because I had a whole list when you and I first met of uh, classics I wanted you to see. That one in Sunset Boulevard, I think, were one of the first you know classics that I, well, I wanted you to see. That is... Patty McCormick, we're talking about having a birthday today, uh, age 72. Next person, this might be tough, an American television journalist, works for NBC News. He hosted the CBS News morning programs for a long period of time, the early show and its predecessor, the CBS This Morning, for 17 years. But in 2011, he left for another network. Kimmy, identify who he is if you can. On the broadcast tonight, high stakes for the Republican contenders. It's Rick Perry's debut debate, as the others in the field are keenly aware. Moment of crisis, as frantic calls are made to 911 to report a gunman opening fire inside an IHOP. Taking a stand, the toughest law yet against bullying in schools. So tough, there are now questions about whether it goes too far. And what she left behind, Elizabeth Taylor's jewelry collection, soon to go to the highest bidder. Nightly News begins now. 
Can you tell me who that is? Mm, no. That's Harry Smith having a birthday. He is 66. Next person, an actress known for her, well, a couple of uh, things I that I know you're aware of. She played the love interest in Big Trouble in Little China in 1986. Played in Mannequin in 1987. She played a Vulcan in Star Trek VI. That's the Undiscovered Country in 1991. But you probably know her for sex and the city, where she played Samantha Jones. Can you tell me who she is? Here's an audio clue. Auditioning is painful. You know, it's scary. Um, I was first sent the script before Sarah was attached, and I had not read the book, and I sort of thought, this is really painful. This is about dating, which was a really scary time in most of our lives. And uh, uh, then it came back to me saying Sarah was attached, and I, I'm, s- I'm such a fan of Sarah's work, and... I thought, wow, this this could be really interesting. And then I found out that they were going to be shooting it in L.A. <clears throat> it really made me happy. Because I thought, you know, I'd gone to theater school, and I, I, it's very rare, as I'm sure all, all of us know, to be able to make a really good living and live in New York City. And um, and then I had about four or five different lunches with uh, Darren Starr because I had only done one other series, and I basically got to play the three unhappy sour notes. Can you tell me who that actress is? Kim Cattrall. Yes, having a birthday today. How old is she within five? Uh, 58. She is 61 today. Moving to sports, Kimmy. Tell me what this individual is known for. Jim McMahon. Oh, football. That's correct. He won two Super Bowl rings. The first one with what team, Kimmy? The Bears. That's correct. And then the second one with their rivals, the Packers. How old is Jim McMahon today within five? Um, 70? Jim McMahon is 58 today, Kimmy. Oops. That's, that's, that's okay. That, that's, no, that's no big deal. Kimmy, I think what we're going to do right now is honor something we talked about on this show. Matter of fact, we're going to go back to the golden age of radio and pay tribute to someone. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. In honor of Jerry Lewis's death yesterday, August 20th, we pay tribute to him by visiting his work in the golden age of radio. We have three episodes of Martin and Lewis, and in addition, three more episodes uninterrupted on our website, which includes the first episode of Martin and Lewis and the very last. So please check out our website at RileyandKimmy.com for the additional old-time radio productions of Martin and and Lewis. Right now we're kicking things off with the fourth episode in the Martin and Lewis series. It features actor Peter Lorre as guest, followed by episode 56 with Boris Karloff, and concludes with episode 43 with guest Frank Sinatra. In honor of Jerry Lewis, here's the golden age of radio with Martin and Lewis. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! The National Broadcasting Company brings you Transcraft from New York, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest star tonight, Peter Laurie, and featuring Flo McMichael, Roger Price, Ed Hurley, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. I wish I knew the name of the girl in my dream. 
So I could change your name to mine And Jerry Lewis I wish I knew the name of the guy in my gym. Jerry <laughs> All right, so I made a boo-boo Dean and Jerry have just received an urgent message to see their manager, Speedy Smith, immediately. And right now, we find them walking down the hall of his office building in the heart of Broadway's theatrical district. All right, look, here we are in Speedy's office. Now, before we go in, let me look at you. Well? Okay, I guess you're neat enough, but I sure wish you'd start putting on some weight. You're about the skinniest guy I ever saw. Look here, Dean Martin. I won't stand here and have you talk that way about me. I'll have you know I weigh 118 and three-quarter pounds. 118 and three-quarters... And that's with clothes on, huh? What do you weigh stripped? I don't know. I'm bashful. <laughs> now stop picking on me about how skinny I am. Oh, I'm not picking on you. Now, if you were smart, you'd... Jerry, don't try to tell me how to be smart. Do I tell you how to be stupid? <laughs> What's to tell? Well, what are we standing here arguing for? Let's go in. Speedy's messy said it was urgent. Oh, yeah, let's go in. Oh, hello, Mr. Martin. Hello, Mr. Lewis. Well, hiya, Florence. So you're working for our manager today, huh? We're supposed to see Speedy right away, Florence, and it's, it's something important. Well, he's got another client in there now. But in the meantime, maybe you can help me with an awful problem. Speedy bought me this new filing cabinet today. What's your problem? I don't know where to plug it in. <laughs> Plug it in. <laughs> Florence, you don't plug a filing cabinet in. <laughs> you wind it up. <laughs> Gee, Dean, listen in there. Speedy's sure balling out some client. Listen. And in my opinion, I don't blame the circus for wanting to fire you. You keep forgetting your act, and that's the first thing you're supposed to do. Don't forget anything. Now you got one more chance to so get back there, and above all, don't forget anything. Gee, Dean, did you ever see such an unhappy-looking elephant? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, let's go in and see what Speedy wants. Hello, Speedy. What's so important that you have to see us in such a hurry? Yeah, we rushed right over. I'll tell you in a minute, boys. Relax. Let's get our feet up in the desk. Come on, sit down. Okay. Okay. Ouch! Jerry, you're supposed to sit down first, then put your feet on the desk. Well, boys, I've done it. A big manufacturer phoned me a while ago. He likes your program and might sponsor it. Now, I believe in you, boys. I've studied you. You got talent. Why, well, I know you backwards. Well, come around front sometime. We got talent on that side, too. Come on, now. Let's get down to business, boys. Let's get down to business. Look, I want you to go out and call on this man and convince him you've got the program he needs. Get his name and address from Florence and go see him right away. Okay, let's go, Jerry. Hey, Florence, will you give us the name and address of that big manufacturer who's thinking about sponsoring us? Oh, sure. I just filed it alphabetically. Alphabetically? Sure. You know, by numbers. <laughs> What's the name and address? <laughs> That's what we want you to find for us. We want... You're kind of silly, Mr. Lewis. You better watch out, or they'll put you in the bobby hatch. Bobby hatch? Florence, it's not bobby hatch. It's bobby hutch. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Florence, please get the name and the address you put in the file cabinet. Oh, sure. Well, let's see. It could be... Uh, no. Well, maybe I... <laughs> That'd be silly. <laughs> or it might be... Oh, no. What are you trying to figure out, Florence? How to open the drawer. <laughs> Here, Florence, I'll open it for you. There. Florence, will you please try to remember? My goodness, that's it. When you mentioned Bobby Hutch a while ago, I made a file for him, and I put the man's name in there. See, here it is, Mr. Price, 35 Waterbury Road. That must be his country estate. Well, thanks, Force. Come on, Jerry, let's hurry. We'll jump in the car and be there in a few minutes. <laughs> now, Jerry, watch what you say. This Mr. Price can certainly afford to sponsor us. Hey, look over there under the trees. That must be him swinging on the hammock. Yeah, and he must be as eccentric as Speedy said. Look how he's hanging, on the bottom. <laughs> Say, you must be Mr. Price because we've heard how intelligent and distinguished you are. We're Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Well, well, where'd you boys come from? The stork brought us. <laughs> Jerry, that's not what Mr. Price meant. Oh, yes, it was. Say, I guess your manager told you that I'd like to sponsor you. Uh, what do you manufacture, Mr. Price? Well, it's my family's secret formula. I have the formula right here, secret C. I got it right here. X plus 2 over the square root of pi plus CN3HO4 times 3.677 equals Y. Yeah. What does the formula make? Orange marmalade. So that's your product, huh? Orange marmalade? Yes, it's wonderful. Made from 100% pure prunes. <laughs> Orange marmalade made out of prunes? I wish I knew what to call it. I got it. Strawberry preserves. <laughs> good, good, good. Mr. Price? Yes? Are you for real? <laughs> oh, Jerry, please excuse him, Mr. Price. And could we talk uh, with you about sponsoring our show? Uh, Mr. Lewis, who's this fellow with you? Oh, he's my partner, you know, Dean Martin. His singing is wonderful. I'm very interested in singers, Mr. Martin. My favorite is Bing Crosby. Don't you admire Bing Crosby? Who? <laughs> you know, Dean, Bing Crosby, the man you imitate when you're trying to sound like Perry Como. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Price, it would be wonderful if you'd sponsor our radio show. Well, I will, if some changes are made. What? Change our show? Oh, no, we couldn't do that. Well, now, 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 don't be hasty. You see, I spend a lot of time studying and analyzing human beings. You study people, huh? People, too. Now, take the average man. Now, what is it the average man wants? An average woman. <laughs> I like you. You're jerky. Mr. Price, how about our radio program? Well, now as I see the picture, uh, you should do a mystery program. My wife insists on it. Uh, you see, my wife loves mysteries. My wife sits home every evening with her ear glued to the radio. There's no glue handy. She uses thumbtacks. But, Mr. Price, we do a comedy show with songs. Now, I'll tell you, if you'll do a mystery program, I'll sponsor your show. But, Mr. Price... My word is final. It's a mystery program or nothing.
Well, Dean and Jerry were really discouraged about their chances of getting a sponsor until a few minutes ago, walking down Broadway. Dean, look at that sign on the Paramount Theater. Hey, it reads that Peter Lorre opens here Wednesday. Say, if we only could... Don't say it. Cross your fingers. Let's try to find him. Well, this is it, Jerry, the Warwick Hotel. Yeah, wouldn't it be swell if we could talk Peter Lorre into helping us out? Then we'd have our sponsor. I only hope we can get in to see Peter Lorre. He probably even never heard of us. Maybe not, Dean, but wait until he finds out that I'm a big fan of his. Gee, one time I took my girl to see Peter Lorre in a picture. He was so sinister and so menacing, when I came out, I had the creeps. Well, it must have been even worse on your girl. Nah, she was a creep to start with. (laughs) Well, let's go in and see Mr. Lorre. Well, here's Peter Lorre's apartment. Ring the bell, Jerry. Jerry, what's the matter? Who's afraid? Oh, I'll do it. There. Dean. What? Let's go home. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Lorry'd never help a couple of nobodies like us. Oh, come on, brace up. Yes, what is it? I'm Dean Martin, and this is Jerry Lewis, and uh, we just got to go in and see Mr. Lorry. I'm sorry, I'm Mr. Lorry's personal secretary, and nobody can see him. Let me, let me handle this, Dean. I gotta be stern with her. Okay, good, be stern. All right now, miss, you listen to me. Yes? Uh, um... What is it? Um, uh... Yes? Will you marry me? (laughs) Do you really want to see Mr. Laurie enough that you'd propose? (laughs) Don't laugh. If we can be engaged, I'll give you my secret corn kicks ring with the plastic glass-covered compass and the secret message sender and decoder and the patented paper scope with the atomic disintegrator attachment. Would you really give it to me? Sure, come on. Help me lift it out of the box. All right, Jay, that's enough. Look, miss, we gotta talk to Mr. Lorry about helping us out on our radio show. Oh, Mr. Martin, I love your singing. I admire your act so much. I'm the star of the act, miss. And your wonderful reviews, Mr. Martin. I'm his assistant. I'm Lewis. I'm on records, too. And the way the crowds come to see you at the Copacabana, Mr. Martin. I'm there, too. Yep. Good old Jerry. I do a few tired funnies in between Dean's songs. And you're so appealing to women, Mr. Martin. Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> oh, I think you're kind of cute, too, Sonny. Miss, are you sure that Mr. Laurie can't see us today? Well, you're taking a horrible chance. Mr. Laurie hates to be disturbed at tea time, and especially when he's so hungry. Well, thanks, but we'll take a chance. Mr. Laurie? Well, well, well. Mm. Two nice young ones. Come in. Well, uh, I hope we didn't disturb your cup of tea, Mr. Lorry. What are you drinking there? Green tea or orange pico? Oh, oh, no, neither. I have a weak stomach. It's arsenic. Arsenic. (laughs) You drink arsenic? 
Yes, uh, always when I can't get Drano, you know, Drano. Oh, now it comes, <laughs> comes in those six delicious flavors. Sure, strawberry, raspberry, orange, lemon, and bathtub. <laughs> now, uh, what was it you want to see me about? Well, I'll come right to the point, Mr. Lawyer. I'm mm. Dean Martin. This is my partner, Jerry Lewis. Uh, yeah. We'd like to have you come on our radio show and, uh, you know, do a mystery. Huh? You want me to come on your radio program and do a mystery? That's right. Isn't it mysterious enough already? Please, Mr. Laurie, we've got a great chance if you'll help us out. It means an awful lot to us. We can get a sponsor if you'll only say yes. Well, you see, I wouldn't mind helping you out, but uh, what would I do on your show? Oh, you know, play sinister characters like you do in your pictures when you're acting. Hmm? Acting? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's silly. What makes you think I'm acting? No, no, I, I'm like that all the time. You're like the Peter Laurie you play on the screen? It's not just acting? It started all when I was a little boy. My mother, she used to make me wear Lord Fauntleroy suits and long golden hair curls. Oh, I was so cute, you know. Yes, I, I can still hear the people when they say, when I walk down the street on a Sunday morning, look, there goes that little rat who burned down the city hall. <laughs> Dean, I'm not happy. Let's go. No, no. No, you must stay. You, you must hear me out, you see. While my, my work in pictures has only aggravated my tendencies, you see, everyone has criminal traits. Everyone? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, just think, as a boy, didn't, didn't you have some bad habits? Not me. None at all? Nope. Oh, but now that I think of it... Yes? I did have one. Yes, you see, you see. What was it? Uh, did you go around scaring your little baby brother? Oh, no, worse than that. Yeah? What did you do? I used to sneak pussy willows into my room and pull their tails off. <laughs> uh, come on, please, let's be serious, boys. You came here seeking my help now, didn't you? Now, let's see, what, what can we get for you? Uh, oh, yes, well, it should be something nice and gruesome, shouldn't it? Uh, oh, I have it, my diary, huh? It tells of an incident which happened here in New York City several years ago. And, and you, Jerry, you, you remind me strangely of, of he who was my assistant. At long last, I found the perfect criminal accomplice. For years, I've been looking for someone to hypnotize into committing my murders for me. Yes, he had to be somebody with no principles, no character, and a weak mind. <laughs> I trained him for weeks. Finally, finally, my stooge was ready for his new career. I put him under my spell. Come now, look into my eyes. There. You are now completely at the mercy of my will, aren't you? Yes, master. You are going out now to rob a bank. I will, master. And if necessary, you are going to kill. I'll do that, master. And even if you see some pretty girls, you won't mix with them. I won't mix, master. Now. Now. What should I do, master? I want you now to take some TNT and go to the Chase National Bank and blow it up. He left me. I waited for an hour anxiously. This was his first job. 
Where is he? He should have been back long ago. Hello? Hello, master. Louis, why, why aren't you here with the money? Did you blow up the bank like I said? Master, I made a terrible mistake. I accidentally dropped some taboo into the TNT. What happened? Now Chase National is going steady with Irving Trust. <laughs> and so it went, failure after failure, but I didn't give up. I, I needed Louis for this special job. And Louis, tonight is the payoff. Tonight at nine, I have a date with Mrs. Van Schuler, the owner of the million dollar Ming necklace. Let's get started. What a surprise this is going to be for Mrs. Van Schuler. Well, Louis, here we are, here we are, the Van Schuler estate. Come on, we'll go in through the front door. I'll open it. All right, you're covered. Get your hands up, both of you. Higher, higher, higher. Please, my feet are off the floor now. <laughs> you, 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 Louis, you caused this, you clumsy, stupid, blundering idiot. I, I taught you everything I knew because I liked you. I fed you because I liked you. I made you what you are today because I liked you. But now, now, I, I hate you. All right, if that's the way you feel, take back your fraternity pin. <laughs> That was wonderful, Mr. Laurie. We'll all do a mystery show together. Jerry, now we've got a sponsor. Oh, oh uh, wait, wait, just a minute, boys. There's a little detail, you see. I, I personally, I'm tired of all that horror stuff. I, you see, from now on, I, I want to be gay. I, uh, like a disc jockey. A disc jockey? Yeah. But if we're going to get a sponsor, we've got to have one of those gruesome programs. Oh, wait. Believe me, Jerry. Believe me. You know, Peter Laura is a disc jockey. It'll be pretty gruesome. <laughs> All right, come on. Mr. Laurie and I got a terrific idea for a disc jockey program. The Sunshine Boys. This is the way our theme will go. You gotta keep smiling, 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 smile. What did you drop out for? I forgot the words. Yes, folks, we're on the air. The Sunshine Boys, Dean, Jerry, and Pete. And now a short message from the makers of Sploop. Folks, have you tried Sploop? Sploop, the breakfast food that makes you wish it was lunchtime. Ah, uh, and remember, folks, sploop doesn't crackle, burst, pop, or explode. It makes no noise at all. But when you pour the cream over it, watch it. It bites. <laughs> yes, and sploop contains the new miracle vitamin, flavored. <laughs> it won't cure anything, it won't fix anything, and it won't make you feel any better. In fact, it even saps your energy, gives you that run-down feeling. <laughs> so next time, ask for sploop. The breakfast food for people who don't want to be champions. <laughs> and now for our daily problem corner with Dr. Peter Laurie. Uh, 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 what is our problem today, Dean? Well, here's a letter picked at random. Dear doctor, I am a woman weighing 195 pounds. Mm -hmm. I, bought a, I bought a new girdle last week and I get into it all right, but I have a terrible time taking it off. What should I do? Oh, well, that's easy. Just tell her to snap out of it. A poem entitled, 
Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? Vigoro? Next poem. <laughs> a little robin redbreast sat on my windowsill. He was a beam of sunlight as he sang his little trill. He sang so sweet and looked so gay. No one could ever hate him. He was nature's work of art. Gee, I'm sorry that I ate him. <laughs> well, folks, the next portion of the program is brought to you by the makers of Sludge Glow, the new shampoo for bald-headed men. It contains that new secret ingredient, hair. <laughs> get the large 150-gallon jar of Sludge Glow. When you get through with it, you simply fasten wheels on it and presto, it's a new Studebaker. <laughs> well, we have a request to sing that new hillbilly tune, Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. Hit it, Dean. Drop Dade, Little Darling, Drop Dade. I need you like a hole in the head. Get lost and get you gone. I'm no longer your Don Juan. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in the head. You're like an awful dream. And if you come back, I'll scream. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in a head. I'll take your pure white neck and I'll break it too by heck. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. Drop dead, little darling, drop dead. I need you like a hole in the head. Thank you, Peter Laurie. You were wonderful. And uh, I hope we'll have the pleasure of working with you again soon. Jerry, stop crowding me. There's not room for both of us in this phone booth. I want to hear what Mr. Price says when you talk to him about how much money he's going to pay us for the show. Well, he hasn't even answered yet. Gosh, Dean, we're on our way. We got a sponsor just like Bob Hope and Bing and Fibber and all the big timers. Hello? Uh, uh, Mr. Price, this is Dean Martin. Jerry and I are just calling to, uh, you know, set the salary for our show. Show? Sure, the one we just did for you. Wasn't Peter Laurie great? Wasn't it full of mystery and horror and suspense? Show? <laughs> Mr. Price, didn't you hear it? Uh, no, I didn't. The funniest thing happened. I couldn't listen. Had no radio. <laughs> you had no radio? No. My wife went shopping, and the radio was still glued to her ear. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bye. Bye. Well, Jerry, we got to keep punching. Even if we haven't got a sponsor, we still got the show. Yeah, Dean. See you next week. Bye. Bye.
Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. And now, I'll give Hey, me... Dean! Hey, Dean! Hey, Dean! question, and I'm really puzzled. Well, what's up, Jerry? What's puzzling you? Well, you know that new singer, Johnny Ray? Yeah? Well, I can't figure it out. All of a sudden, this guy's a big star. He sells four million records. Radio wants him. Television wants him. The girls go crazy for him. And the money is coming in hand over fist. Well, all I want to know is one thing. What's that? What the heck's he crying about? <laughs> Jerry, Johnny Ray doesn't always cry. He just cries when he sings. Oh, I get it. You don't sing so good. <laughs> Ah, don't talk crazy, Jerry. Johnny Ray sings very good. Oh, then you should be crying. <laughs> now, look, Jerry, Johnny Ray doesn't bother me any more than Jack Benny bothers you. Good heavens, I didn't think you felt that miserable. <laughs> if you don't mind, Jerry, if you don't mind, I'd just as soon drop the whole subject. Sure, Dean, but first I gotta tell you, you don't have to worry about those other singers, because in my book, you're the greatest of them all, buddy. And I mean it. You got something that's really different. It sets you apart from all the rest. No kidding. You got something that's really terrific. Well, that's very sweet of you, Jerry. Tell me, what do I have that's so wonderful? Me. <laughs> now, you listen here, Jerry. I really do think you ought to start acting your age. You must make a terrible impression on girls. Oh, no, I don't, Dean. In fact, I always know the right thing to do. Last night, I took a girl to a dance, and I even wired her some flowers. Sounds wonderful. Did you dance every dance? Oh, we couldn't. The flowers are wired to her legs. <laughs> well, I give up. I, I'm through arguing with you. Besides, it's time we introduce our first guest this evening. Tell me, do you know who it's going to be? Well, that, that, that great food expert, Conrad Van Crunch, was supposed to visit us again, but we just heard that he won't be here. Well, and we don't seem to have a guest there, unless you'd like to take Von Crunch's place. Deanie boy, I think that would be splendid Cardinal Sterling and definitely Peachy King. All righty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it becomes my pleasure to welcome back that international gourmet and author of the best-selling book, Through Darkest America with Knife and Fork. <laughs> Herr Conrad von Crunch, how are you? How are you today, sir? Ah, the whole stomach is upset. I feel all nervous, like I have butterflies in my stomach. Well, that's too bad. What'd you have for dinner? Butterflies. Butterflies. Evan <laughs> uh, Crunch, you've been all over the world. Tell me, in your travels, did you have any strange uh, dining experiences? Well, once when I was visiting Baghdad, I stopped in a little place. It was a sidewalk cafe. A sidewalk cafe. <laughs> and what was their specialty? French fried sidewalks. Now, that's ridiculous. How can anyone eat a sidewalk? Don't be silly. It's no different than eating a driveway. Well, tell me, uh, what else was on the menu? They served me some soup. <laughs> but I found something in it. Was it a hair, Herr von Grunch? No, it was... <laughs> what did you say? I asked, uh, was it a hair, Herr von Grunch? No, it was a noodle-noodle, Mr. Martin. <laughs> Where'd you dig up the noodle-noodle? The same place you dug up the hair-hair, Selma. 
Herbert Kranz, our time is running out, but before you go on, what was the strangest meal you ever ate? The strangest meal I ever ate was in the wilds of Africa. I was dining with a Ubangi chief, and he served me a family dinner. What did the family dinner consist of? A father, a mother, and two little children. <laughs> now, that was incredible. No, that was Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, it now becomes my privilege to introduce our guest of the evening. He's a gentleman we've enjoyed in many stage plays on the radio and in countless motion pictures. So here he is, a very fine actor and the world's greatest connoisseur of chills and thrills, the one and only Mr. Boris Karloff, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and, and thank you, Dean, for that very kind introduction. Well, Boris, I meant every word of it. Well, this is very reassuring to me. You see, in spite of the fiendish parts that I play in pictures, I'm really a kind and mild-mannered man. In fact, I'm as soft-hearted and gentle a man as you could ever meet. Don't I appear that way? Dean, why don't you answer? I can't. You're joking me. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry, Dean. Force of habit, you know. Hey, Dean! Hey, Dean! I just had a... All right, buddy. It's two miles of the cemetery. <laughs> cemetery? I'm not dead. You're not dead? No, but I'm enormously interested in people who are. <laughs> hey, hey, hey you, you, you know something? For a minute, I thought you was Boris Karloff, and I, I got scared. <laughs> Boy, that, that guy really scares me. Gosh, imagine me thinking you was Karloff. <laughs> I am Boris Karloff. How can you fail to recognize Boris Karloff? Gosh, Mr. Karloff, I've seen all those movies you make, and you always look so weird and horrible. Your face is so frightening, and you look like a regular monster. Now, wait a minute, Jerry. It's the makeup that makes me look like a monster. Oh, I see. Now, tell me, what's your excuse? <laughs> Boris. I mean, you're supposed to be a dramatic actor. <laughs> Dean, we couldn't get Peter Laurie. Now, Jerry, that's no way to talk to a fine actor like Mr. Karloff. Oh, I was only fooling Dean. I'm Mr. Karloff, honestly. I've seen all those pictures where you play ghouls and werewolves and things. In fact, maybe you can tell me something. Well, I'd be delighted. Is it true that once a year you have to renew your haunting license? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, I, uh... do, do you really spook only when you're spooking to? <laughs> no, I... Oh, stop it, Chair. In real life, Mr. Karloff is just as normal as you. Here now, I won't have you insulting our guests. 
Boss, I really should apologize for Jerry. He, he can be real nice when he wants to. He, he just has to be pushed. Well, if he has to be pushed, I suggest it be from the highest possible altitude. Yes. <laughs> now, you see how angry you made our guest, Jerry? Don't forget Mr. Karloff played Frankenstein. What's so wonderful about that? I played Frankenstein, too. You played Frankenstein, the monster? No, Frankenstein, the butcher. He got the cards full of chicken fat. <laughs> Jerry. Dean, how long must I stand here and be heckled by this, this, this animated skeleton? Boris, you just can't insult Jerry. I don't think he knows what a skeleton is. I do so, too. A skeleton is nothing but a pack of bones with the people scraped off. <laughs> see what I mean? Do you see what I mean, boy? Well, it's all in fun. Now, if the truth is known, I've admired you for a long time. Do you know, I saw your latest picture, Sailor Beware, and laughed some fella's head off. <laughs> Pictures, Mr. Carlos? Yes, indeed. And ever since I saw That's My Boy, I've had a secret desire to play your father in a motion picture. <laughs> Say, that sounds intriguing. Boris Karloff playing the father in one of our pictures. Let's find out, Jimmy. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are proud to present Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Boris Karloff in that homespun story of the supernatural entitled... <laughs> Just plain Dracula. <laughs> Our scene is the typical suburban dungeon of an average family, of werewolves. As we look in on this quaint little home, Frank, the oldest son, is just returning from school. Well, here I am. Might as well go in. Anybody home? Well, hello, Frank. I'm glad you're home. Just go into the kitchen. I think your mother left you some cold meat. That's nice. Anybody I know? Uh, you're beginning to sound just like your brother, Herbie. Ah, oh, gee, Dad. What are we going to do about Herbie? I don't think he likes being a werewolf. No... I'm afraid he's the white sheep of the family. Shh, here comes Herbie now. He seems excited. Hey, hello! I was just playing baseball and you'll never guess what happened. Well, tell me. Well, the game was all tied up. It was the last inning. We had two men on and it was my turn at bat. The pitcher threw the ball and just as I swung my bat... The game was called? No, the bat flew away. <laughs> well, that's just too bad. You know something, Dad? I feel different from the other little boys. <laughs> I knew it all the time, Dad. He's just ashamed of his family. Oh, uh, you have too much time to think, Herbie. Now, what you need is a job. Perhaps you should work with your uncles down at the bank. But I don't like to handle money. Who mentioned money? I mean the blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work there. And another thing, I'm getting pretty sick of taking children to school every day. But all the big boys take children to school every day. In a lunchbox? <laughs> Herbie, Herbie, you must learn to be proud of your people. I'm a werewolf, and I love it. 
In the dead of night, I love to prowl around gravestones. I like to beat and strangle. You see, my son, I revel in blood and death and broken bones. Gee, Dad, you're cute. <laughs> Herbie, you must learn to accept things like your brother Frank. He's happy as he is. And look how all the girls go for him. That's right. You'd be surprised how many girls lose their heads over me. <laughs> Herbie! It's no wonder... Herbie! <laughs> Herbie, it's no wonder you're a lousy werewolf. You're a sissy. I am not a sissy. Just for that, I'm going over to my girlfriend's father, and I'm going to ask for her hand. Ah, anybody can ask for a girl's hand. Clear up to the elbow? <laughs> no use talking to him, Dad. I I'm going to turn on the radio. Good idea, Frank. It's time for John's other ghoul. <laughs> you hear that, my son? Gee, Dad, they're playing our tune. <laughs> Why, son, you do care. Well... <laughs> Welcome back to the Werewolves, Herbie. Let's sing our anthem. All right, boys, sound your A. Oh! Oh! Go! But I, I just like to bid you both good night. Well, Boris, I trust you enjoyed your visit. I certainly did. I found your partner quite engaging. Something's been troubling me for years, but after what I learned by watching Jerry tonight, I'm completely relieved. Hey, that's wonderful, Mr. Carlos. Tell us, what did you learn by watching me tonight? I am not the most gruesome man alive. <laughs> Boris, I, I, I agree with you. Seriously. We really enjoyed having you with us on our show. Yes, we did. And all kidding on the other side, Mr. Carlock. You've been a swell guest, and I hope you'll come back again real soon. Thank you, boys, and good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Good night, Mr. Carlock. So until next week, this is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis reminding you that our current picture sale of Beware may now be seen at your local theaters. Until we see you, good night, everyone. Hollywood, we present the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it becomes my pleasure. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, how many times? How many 
times must I tell her you're not supposed to come out here until you're introduced. What introduced? I'm Jerry. You're Dean. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> now, look, Jerry, forget it. Forget the introduction. Now, tell me, have you finished my laundry yet? Have I finished your laundry? Listen here, Dean Martin. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to make everybody think that just because I'm younger and I'm an idiot, I do all your laundry. <laughs> Some people should think I take care of your shirts and I wash and starch and dry and iron them. But it won't work. See, I'm wiser, buddy. I'm wiser. And another thing. What? The lipstick mark on your blue shirt doesn't rub out. <laughs> now, listen, Jerry. I'm getting mighty tired of your complaining. What makes you act like such a big shot? Listen, Alfred. Alfred? I read in one of them movie magazines that I'm a big picture star, just like Oscar March. Oscar March? Oscar, I never heard of him. Well, that shows how much you know. Oscar March is a star death of a salesman. Why, he may even win a Frederick this year. You know something, Jer? You're gonna drive me to the bug house. Oh, no, you don't, Dean Martin. I'll stand still for doing the laundry, but I'm not going to be your chauffeur. Jerry, driving someone to the bug house is just a figure of speech. Oh, well, that's different. Will you pay for the gas? Look, now let's stop arguing, huh? Nobody wins anyway. It's like a, an immovable object that meets an iris... Irresistible, I notice. An immovable object that meets an irresistible force. I was right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dean What? I'm irresistible All right, Jer I give up, you win Tell me, who's our first guest tonight? Guys, Dean, we don't have a first guest But I have an idea that I think we will find Peachy, Ginger, Dandy, Snappy, and King Um, yeah, good boy <laughs> Why don't we do one of those tender dramatic scenes, you know, where you sing one part and I talk the other part? Well, all righty, ladies and gentlemen. Jerry and I give you our impression of a man whose girlfriend has just run out of him run out on him. <laughs> He's trying to forget her, but everything, everything he touches we call another memory. And away we go. A cigarette that bears a lipstick's traces. Why does that man insist upon wearing makeup? <laughs> An airline ticket to romantic places. Romantic places. We took one lousy flight from Idlewood to Burbank. <laughs> Even then we were grounded six times because of dust. And still my heart has wings. What happened to the mima? These foolish things remind me of you. We had so much to make us happy. You love me despite my old clothes, and I love you despite your old nose. <laughs> a tinkling piano in the next apartment. I haven't slept a wink in three days. Those stumbling words that told you what my heart meant. What stumbling words? You slapped my back, I boyfriend. <laughs> A fairgrounds painted swing These foolish things remind me of you Foolish things, my foot, they're ridiculous I was saying to Selma just the other day Selma, I said, no, listen to this Selma, I said, you have no idea He carries on about the least little thing My lipstick traces, my airline tickets, my painted swings So help me, I'll go mad from that man 
Beat you two full, that a three. When you did that to me, I knew somehow it had to be. Like I told Selma, this thing is just too big for the both of us. The winds of March that make my heart a dancer. The winds of March, indeed. Why, that poor Arthur Murray worked his feet to the bone. The telephone the rings, but who's to answer? Oh, how the ghost of you cling. You can't forget me, booby. <laughs> These foolish things remind me of you. Well, folks, comes time to hit a high spot in the evening's festivities with the introduction of our guest of the evening. And I might add that I can't think of an introduction that would give me greater pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Frank Sinatra. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Dino. Where's the idiot? Well, I, I wish you wouldn't call him that. After all, the kid is my partner, and... We worked together for years, and, well, I'd just rather you wouldn't. Well, I'm sorry, Dean. I didn't realize, you know. Well, I don't mean to be a square, but that's the way I feel. All right, Dean, I promise not to say it again. Good. Now, before the idiot louses us up, <laughs> how about a song? Well, my pleasure, Dean. glad the many millions of Annabelles and Lillians would be to capture me. But you had such persistence, you wore down my resistance. I fell, and it was swell. I'm your big and brave and handsome Romeo. How I won you, I shall never, never know. It's not that I'm attractive, but oh, my heart grew active when you came into view. I've got a crush on you, sweetie pie, all the day and night time. Hear me sigh I never had the least notion That I could fall with so much emotion Could you coo And could you care for a cunning cottage that we both could share the whole world will pardon my much but I have 
got a crush, my baby, on you. That was great, really great. And now, if you'll stand by, we'll find out what Jimmy Wallington has a crush on. Well, thank you, Dean. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to know a quick, easy way to ease pain of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, then by all means try Anison. Your own dentist or physician may at one time or another have handed you an envelope containing Anison tablets. Then you already know how incredibly fast and effectively Anison brings relief. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients. For your own sake, try Anison. Anison is sold to you on this guarantee. If the first few tablets do not give you all the relief you want, as fast as you want it, you may return the unused portion and your money will be refunded. You can get Anison tablets at any drug counter. Anison comes in handy boxes of 12 and 30 tablets and economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100. Hey, Dean, is your voice changing? I heard your song and... All right, buddy, the hospital is two blocks away. <laughs> now, easy, Jared. If this boy doesn't need the hospital... You're right, Dean. Hey, buddy, it's four blocks to Forest Lawn. <laughs> hey, Dean, I don't know who this guy is, but I like him. This kid makes me look good, you know. Now, uh, Frankie, he's my partner, Jerry Lewis. Go over and introduce yourself to him. Well, all right. Be sure he won't bite. Uh, Jerry, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm, uh... Let Dean do it, kid. You better lie down. Now, listen, apehead. I'm Frank Sinatra. You mean you're Frank Sinatra, the singer on radio and television and picture star? That's right. Hey, is it true that you stand in for carrots when they photograph salads? <laughs> well, well, I... I mean, uh... when mosquitoes bite you, do they get anything more than practice? Well, gosh, I don't... Hey, now, tell it true. Can you touch your hands over your head without being threaded? Hey, no. Just a minute. How long do you think I have to stand here for these insults? Just as long as we get laughs, Frank. <laughs> Jerry, this is no way to act towards Frank Sinatra. Yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, well, what makes you think he's Frank Sinatra anyway? If he was Sinatra, he certainly wouldn't be here with us. No? Where would I be? Home with Ava. <laughs> you know, for an idiot, this kid makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I was just kidding, Frankie. We're really very glad you could come tonight, honest. We think you we're real lucky to have you as a guest. Yes, sirree. We sure are fortunate to have you as our guest. And I mean it, too. Hey, Dean. Como couldn't come? <laughs> Jer, Jer, can't you show a little more respect? After all, Frank is one of our most popular singers. What did you say? I said Frank is one of our most popular singers. Uh, what did you say? What's the matter with you? Can't you hear? Oh, sure. I just like the way you turn green when you say it. <laughs> Don't be jealous, booby. Dino doesn't have to be jealous. He's got a fine voice. Mm, you're a good boyfriend. 
<laughs> As a matter of fact, Dean, you sound a little like Crosby. Oh, I haven't been too well. Been sick. <laughs> no, but you really sing real good too, Frank. I just bought a whole bunch of your records. 82 records for 39 cents. <laughs> 82 records for 39 cents? Yeah, they forgot to put the hole in the middle. <laughs> you know, one good clop, I could put this kid away. <laughs> I didn't know you were that tough, Frank. Didn't you know I used to be a boxer? Yeah, and I used to be a cocker spaniel. <laughs> Don't mess with me, kid. Where I was raised, you had to be tough. Same with me. You had to fight all the time. Me too. All the time. It was nothing but fist, fist, fist. <laughs> Really? Sure, I was 12 years old before I knew I had fingers. Ah, those childhood memories. You know, I'll never forget them. Yeah, I remember when I first learned to tie my shoelaces. Seems like only yesterday. What yesterday? It was this morning. Hey, you know, fellas, I wonder what it would have been like if the three of us had grown up together. I mean, all part of the same gang in the same neighborhood. Well, let's roll up our pants legs and find out. Ladies and gentlemen, although most of us would like to, it's impossible for us to return to those carefree days of our childhood. Tonight, however, through the magic of radio, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Frank Sinatra shall realize this ambition. And so, let's turn back the clock. My name is Dino. Me and my pal Muscles are the toughest kids on this block. My name is Muscles. <laughs> And whoever gave me that name ought to have his head examined. My name is Jerome. <laughs> I have my head examined all the time. <laughs> I'm brand new in this neighborhood. Boy, wait till these fellas see what a load of laughs I am. No kidding. I'm a ton of fun. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, I will speak to them. Uh, ha, 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 hello, hello, fellows. Ah, uh, ha, 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 uh, shut up. Goodbye, fellow. Wait a second. You gotta go home now. Yeah, I'm a babysitter. I sit on my baby brother. You sit with the baby, not on him. How come they call him flat top? By the way, kid, how did you get that cauliflower ear? I got it from beer. You got that ear from drinking beer? No, Dad uses it to open the bottle. Ah, uh, let's go, Dino. We only play with the tough guys. Well, I'm tough. You should have seen me this morning. I kicked Brownie right in her stomach. Yeah, who's Brownie? My teddy bear. <laughs> Come on, Dino. I tell you, this kid's a sissy. What makes you think he's a sissy? He's wearing underwear. <laughs> I'll handle him, muscles. Look, Junior, didn't your mother ever tell you the facts of life? Oh, but I was eavesdropping when she told him to dad. Ah, then you do know what girls are. Sure, I've seen them at parties. They're the ones that dance backwards. Ah, <laughs> uh, what are you talking about? You're ugly. Girls wouldn't go for you anyway. Yeah, well, I'd like to know what kind of girls would ever go for you. You'd be surprised. Surprised? I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> You're a comedian. No, you're a comedian. You want to bet? 
I want to be. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a sailor. Yeah. What would you do? What would you do if somebody fell overboard? I told him a lifesaver. Oh. And what if you didn't have a lifesaver? I told him a Hershey bar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can keep all that sailor stuff. I'm gonna be a singer. You want to bet? <laughs> hey, Dean. What do you say we go down to the corner, huh? Yeah, I want to buy an ice cream cone. See, I got a dime. I got an idea. I got an idea. Let's go eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and we'll see who gets the cone. Hey, that's a good idea. I like that. With my dime, why not? Okay, now here goes. Eeny, meeny, miny. Well, I get the cone. What happened to Mo? There ain't no Mo. Well, here's the ice cream. Go ahead, Dino. You can take the first lick. Hey, 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 fellows, fellows, I say, that's my cone. No, no, fellas, uh, don't lick it. No, I, I don't care if you hold it, but don't lick it. I mean, you boys are my friends and everything, but don't lick it. Okay, you win. They don't pay to argue over a cone anyway. Yeah, let's be friends from now on. Sure, when we grow up, we can all look back at the time when we were kids and we can say... All those childish games Spinning the bottle and kissing games I was so sad when school was through When they threw me out, I felt so blue I was voted the boy most likely to Most likely to what? I don't know, the class broke up early <laughs> How, How we, we missed those old childhood days I broke my yo-yo Frank, Jerry, and I play hooky for a little while. Let's turn the classroom over to Professor Wallington. Well, thank you, Dean. And now here's something of interest to everybody. For breathless moments, for your breathless moments. Chew dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Dentine tastes so good. Dentine freshens your breath. Dentine helps keep your teeth sparkling clean and white. Dentine, the gum with... <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Before you go out and always after eating, drinking, smoking, refresh your breath with dentine. You'll love dentine chewing gum, for dentine has a wonderful tingling, nippy flavor that lingers on and on. It's delicious. And remember, dentine helps keep your teeth white, too. Keep dentine handy. You'll enjoy refreshing your breath when you chew dentine. So, for breathless moments, for your breathless moments... Chew dentine, the gum with <gasps> breathtaking flavor. Hey, Dean! Aw, oh, Jerry, why must you come out screaming like this? Why must you be so bellicose? Here now, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to watch for the language. <laughs> Jerry, bellicose only means audible. Don't kid me, Jasper. An audible is a thing with four wheels and a women smash them into other audibles. Oh, that's automobile. Don't confuse me, Clarence. Automobiles are town in Alabama. 
Jerry, that's Mobile. Oh, no, Mobile is the oil you put in audibles. No, that's Mobile Oil. Oh, stop it, Dean. Mobile Oil is from the song in the opera, Love Don't Name Mobile Oil. Love Don't Name I'm not coming back. No, 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 Dean. Don't leave me. Don't forsake this poor, sick child. It's no use, Jer. I'm adamant. Yeah, how's Eve? (laughs) Dean, will you do me one favor before you go? What's that? Stay. (laughs) Jerry, I have... more time to argue I'm expecting a very important guest, the famous marriage expert. Right, Dean, I forgot to tell you, he can't make it tonight. So what are we going to do? Why not let, why not let me take the part of the famous marriage expert? Well, what do you know about marriage? What do I know about marriage? <laughs> one of my closest friends is married. Who? <laughs> Who? My wife. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to have with us one of the world's greatest experts on domestic life. He is responsible for more happy marriages than any other living man. Direct from the Viennese Institution of Matrimony, I am proud to introduce Dr. Conrad von Krutz. Dr. von Krutz, I understand you know everything about the state of wedded bliss. Yes, yes, indeed. When it comes to wedded bliss, I'm a regular blister. (laughs) Tell me, doctor... What do you think of divorce? Well, with a good jockey, I put a dollar on his nose. I said divorce, not horse. Horse? That's where you get in the throat. Look, we did this before. Yeah, but laughs we got. Let's not fight it. Doctor, doctor, I know you you saved many marriages from breaking up. Could you tell us about any special case? Well... One time a couple comes to me He hates she She hates he They talk to me And all of a sudden They are having a fight in my office Before I know it They are beating me And kicking me And scratching me Wow, what a horrible experience It's just in a day's work to me I stay cool like a cucumber (laughs) I looked up as they were beating me And stopped them with one word What was that? Help Uh, what was the most unusual match you uh, ever made? Well, once I made a match that burned for 16 days. No. I... It was one inch long and on the head was six pounds of sulfur. No. I couldn't understand. I was referring to an unusual love affair. For 16 days, this match went steady with a candle. This is a usual affair. Dr. Von Krat, what do you think of family life today? Families are too small today. Years ago, everybody had at least 12 kids. I had 18 brothers and sisters. 19 children? Oh, that's marvelous. Are they all well? Oh, they're fine, but mother don't feel so good. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Well, you never know where those measles will strike next. <laughs> oh, get out of here. Oh, no, you get out of About a few holes of golf tomorrow morning, huh? Sorry, Jerry, but I can't. You see, tomorrow morning I've got an important day. What's that, Dean? Well, after what you told me, I've decided to take my whole family to see the new 1952 Buicks. Okay, I'll go with you. They're wonderful. They're beautiful. I saw that. I know, but they're beautiful. I got it. Now, there's a good idea for all of you folks. For remember... 
Tomorrow morning, the all-star lineup of new 1952 Buicks goes on display at your Buick dealers. And believe you me, they're the smartest, smoothest-riding Buicks you've ever seen, with new surprise features you thought years away. So don't miss the fun. Bring the whole family to see the advanced new Roadmasters, the exciting new Supers, and the brilliant new Specials that combine big car luxury with economy price. Yes, don't miss the new 1952 Buicks at your Buick dealers tomorrow. Hey, Dean, Dean! Hey, Dean! The horrible thing happened! Ma, what? What happened? I can't find Frank Sinatra. He's disappeared. Jerry, Frank Sinatra is standing right here beside me. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Good heavens, and I lost my fountain pen. (laughs) Hey, uh... You know, before we call it a night, how about knocking off one quick chorus together? That sounds good to me. What am I supposed to do while you're singing? Why don't you run out and get a tattoo? (laughs) (laughs) Listen here, Dean Martin. He's just here once, but I'm here all the time. If he sings with you, I'm going to too. Well, let's face it, Frankie. We got a trio. Let's do a round. After you, my good man. Crazy. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, row, row, merrily, row merrily, your boat merrily, gently down the stream. <laughs> merrily, row, merrily, row, merrily, row, merrily, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Hey. Merrily, merrily. Was I rushing? Better save this for another day, Frankie. Oh, good night, boys. You've both been bricks through the whole ugly mess. Good night, everybody. Good night, Frank. Before we say good night, I want to tell everybody that we just heard from Marion Marshall, who's in Chicago, and she says that everybody is coming through wonderfully for the March of Dimes. Don't forget, folks, the March of Dimes needs your contribution to help the many infantile paralysis sufferers throughout the country. Please give all you can spare. So until next week, this is Dean Martin. And Jerry Lewis reminding you that we appear on radio through the courtesy of Hal Wallace Productions, producers of our new picture, Sailor Beware. Good night. Good night, everybody. Wrapping up our tribute on this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, that was Frank Sinatra's appearance on the Martin and Lewis Show from 1952. We continue our tribute to Jerry Lewis on our website with more episodes uninterrupted from the golden age of radio with Martin and Lewis. Riley and Kimmy. That is our website, RileyandKimmy.com, where you can find our special Jerry Lewis podcast. It is uninterrupted episodes from the golden age of radio. The first is actually the very first episode of the Martin and Lewis show that aired in 1949, and its guest star is Lucille Ball, followed by Bob Hope's appearance, and then the final episode of the Martin and Lewis show featuring actress Gloria Graham from 1953. If you enjoyed that old-time radio production, please check out our other episodes that are available right now on our website, at RileyandKimmy.com, we have Golden Age of Radio shows and also trivia, too. We do a daily episode, a daily podcast, and you can find those at RileyandKimmy.com.